Exegesis. Welcome to Countdown to Exegesis, the only Steely Dan podcast that treats the band with equal levels of reverence and contempt. I, Ollie Piper, lean towards reverence, while my co-host, Andrew Souter, revels in scorn. Hello, Andrew. Hello. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm fine. I had a very bad night's sleep because you and I went for a curry with uh, our friend Vlad, and I was celebrating being a little bit better because I'd had a stomach bug for a couple of days. Had an extremely mm. a sort of comically hot curry, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed, and then just like lay awake until you know three a.m. writhing uh-huh. with the, the seven devils <laughs> dancing around my my stomach. Well, I'm sure the listeners don't want to hear about all our sort of middle-aged malfunctions, but mm. I was listening to that, and it's, it was like an auditory mirror. It really was because mm. I've had exact, I've had a very similar experience. <laughs> so yeah, we went for a nice curry, we went for a few drinks, and I had you know that kind of early onset hangover, <laughs> yeah, um, where you feel like sugar is coursing through your veins. No, it, for me, it's more like it feels that. Um... Sort of all moisture has been drawn from my body, and I am a desert. But these, this often goes hand in hand with that feeling for me. And I had to, I had to wake up and refresh myself with a diet coke at about three in the morning. Mm. However, it's a hangover that's an early onset hangover that keeps me up. And if I've been drinking beer, I feel all of the, it's like all the sugar in the beer suddenly decides to have a party in my bloodstream. So I've had a bad night's sleep. I have, uh, I've got a bit of a hangover today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, same. Mostly, yeah. mostly affecting my bowels uh, as it usually does at my age. <laughs> right, right. Um, and uh, and we have to talk about Parker's band. Uh, while we're sharing dirty details about ourselves, I thought I would reveal something that might surprise and interest our listeners, which is between the two of us, you. Mm. Other jazz man. <laughs> Ollie said that with a very sweet grin. You, uh, you are the jazz head, are you not? I, I have been known to enjoy jazz. Yeah, I don't want to overstate my jazz knowledge. Which, but I, yeah. I mean, between the two of us, I think it's fair to say, despite being the Steely Dan fan, mm. uh, I enjoy. I've only dabbled in jazz. You know, I've enjoyed a bit of mm. Mingus here and there. Yeah, well, um, I I know my you know my Hank Jones from my uh, Hank Mobley. Yeah, well, I I most enjoy jazz. I think when it's lubricated with a bit of rock. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Dan, uh, Joni Mitchell, Corn Spark era, you know that yeah. sort of beautiful jazz, jazz. <laughs> I, I you know I just haven't explored. But you are an educated jazz man and. I thought we could test your uh, 2D credentials mm-hmm. by uh, indulging in a jazz quiz, okay. do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is bringing out all my... Oh, for fuck's sake. And we're back. Uh, technical difficulties have forced us together in person, um, but I'll continue where I left off Yeah, about an hour and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that saying that you're a jazz fan, and it yeah. might be it might be fun to do a jazz quiz, yeah. to test your jazz knowledge. But the thing is that I know you a bit, and I think you have deliberately made this jazz quiz really hard. You've set me up as a jazzman, and now you're going to expose me as a no ignorant. I, I promise all these questions come from an online quiz. Yeah, so they're not chosen. Like it's the not chosen by B- me. Berkeley no, School of Jazz. I fucking searched for jazz quiz and found the first Google result. Okay, okay. It's from Fact Monster. Verify it yourself, listeners. So, question one: mm. Jazz emerged in what has been called America's most musical city. Is it Memphis, New Orleans, or Chicago? New Orleans. That was correct. <laughs> yes. Uh, Suter. New Orleans. Oh, that, was somebody, of, that was somebody in the next room. Uh, I was yeah. impressed by. By my knowledge. <laughs> it sounded like an angry sort of schoolmaster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Suta, put that frog away. Um, okay, next question. Yeah, some waffle about New Orleans. Uh, question two. Uh, the most famous jazz nightclub in Harlem was called The Cotton Club, El Morocco, or Studio 54? Oh, shit. I don't know. Sorry, I, when I got that first question right, 
I suddenly felt really energised and happy and, and competitive. And now I don't know the it's answer It's like someone's this just one. thrown a brick at your box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say... What was the middle one? El Caramo. El, El, El Morocco. El Morocco. I think it's either the... I don't, I've never heard of the Cotton Club. I think it's Studio 54. That is... Takes a while to load. <laughs> I mean, I know it's incorrect anyway. Um... Studio Fifty Four was a was a nightclub, a disco, the disco a big disco in the night. disco times. Yeah, um, I hate this, <laughs> and I hate uh, you for coming up with this as an idea. But it's yeah, it was actually uh, the the Cotton Club. Oh, for so, sake, what yeah. a die. Okay, oh here, here here's a good one. Who who performed on the first jazz recording? Was it Jelly Roll Morton, Joseph King Oliver, or the original Dixieland jazz band? I think it was um, Alfred Lord Tennyson. Is that a reference? Because I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So choose choose one of the three. <laughs> uh, I wasn't listening because I was thinking of my quip. Jelly <laughs> uh, Roll Morton, Joseph King Oliver, or the original Dixieland Jazz Band? Uh, I have no idea. I'm going to say Oliver. You are mm, incorrect. I can feel it. Incorrect. It was yeah. the original Dixieland Jazz Band. I thought I knew that one. Okay. Next one. This mm. one's a bit more recent. Uh, New Zealand was the first country in the world to do many things, which is not one of them. Uh, give women the vote, identify the ten most deadliest spiders, adopt the eight-hour working day, or introduce the retirement pension. It's, it does say it, most deadliest. You're such a prick. That is clearly from a different quiz. Aside from anything else, even if it, even if there was some jazz subtext, there's four possible answers to that question, whereas there's three to all the other ones. You're playing me for a fool. Are you going to play the and quiz? It's very hot in here. Are you going, <laughs> getting... are you going to play the quiz or not? Bothered. What was what? What say it again? What, what, what... Which is not one of New Zealand's firsts. Okay, give women the firsts. Vote. Oh, yeah. One of the first things they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Give, give women the vote. Identify mm. the ten deadliest spiders. Adopt the eight-hour working day, or introduce the retirement pension. Which did? Which didn't they do first? I mean, the tempting answer is say I, I, I really don't care. Ooh. I'm going to say identifying the 10 deadliest spiders. That is correct, yep. Right, okay. Good. Okay. Um, known as the Divine One, who won an amateur singing contest as a teenager and quickly became a leading jazz vocalist? I don't know. Billy Nat Holl- King Cole. Billy Holiday, Sarah Vaughan, or Mamie Smith? Mammy Smith. Say it again. Who won a singing contest and quickly became a leading jazz vocalist? She was known as the Divine One. Billy Holiday, Sarah Vaughan, or Mammy Smith? Sarah Vaughan. You see, I think you're going for the... Is it wrong? It was. It was Sarah Vaughan. Oh, it was yeah, Sarah Vaughan. She okay, performed okay, yeah. in 1942. She performed Body and Soul in a talent contest. Okay, last one. Which of the, folly, which of the following a, inventions... You're going to do a one, aren't you? Which of the following inventions was not created by a New Zealander? Was it the bobby pin, the bottle opener, the white tooth shearing comb, or Charlie Parker? <clears throat> well, Charlie Parker is not from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is... Correct. Yeah, well done. I hated every second of that. <laughs> yo, yo, Jay-Z, look out. Okay, so as you know, Ollie, the song that we're talking about today, Parker's Band, is a celebration of the music of uh, Bird, mm-hmm. Charlie Parker, saxman extraordinaire. Um, but there was actually an original version of the song. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, which I found in the uh, the Queen's Library Archive. Mm. You've been on on another one of your yeah. research. Went on a little research excursions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with the Patreon money. Anyway, originally the song wasn't a celebration of Charlie Parker. It was actually Walter Becker staking his claim to being the most important member of Steely Dan. Becker's band. Becker's band. Uh, now, <laughs> we haven't talked very much about the relationship between Becker and Fagin, but I think this manuscript, which I found in a box file. Mm. in the Queen's Library Archive. I think it sheds some interesting light on how Becker felt about his bandmates. Interesting. Okay, so... It's awkward doing this in person, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) ABC presents a new art rock attraction. It's Becker's band. Donald Fagan is just a distraction. Best bits are written by Walter. His bass is like the rock of Gibraltar. You got to come on, man, and take a piece of Mr. Becker's band. Yeah. This is very exciting. 
We got Skunk and Danny laying down guitar for the ages. We got Jeff Picaro sweating like a pig for his wages. Then Fagan opens up his sharp mouth. Pretty soon things start going down south. You got to come on, man. Take a piece of Mr. Becker's band. Now, unfortunately, the bridge was written by Donald Fagan. Oh, uh, okay. Drastically improving the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just think that gives a little window into some of the band politics. That's really interesting. Mm. Especially considering the origin, uh, the, uh, my, uh, my known origin of this mm-hmm. song has been an early demo. So for Becker to have predicted the future so uh, precisely is uh, with, with mentions of like Jeff Picaro and, yeah, and all of that yeah, and, yeah. And, and even the band because it was written before the band so well the thing was that Walter Becker was very very hot on young talent not in a creepy uh, way <laughs> just he was always on the lookout for... I mean he probably was hot, <laughs> yeah. hot on young talent yeah. well. hot sorts <laughs> he was always scouring the music scene for uh gifted young musicians who he could involve in the pro- in his, his, his musical projects. Yes. And uh, he was aware of a young nine-year-old uh-huh. uh, called uh, Jeffrey Picaro, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. who at the time was making big waves in the Indianapolis <laughs> <laughs> funk circuit. And, uh, and so he w- it was kind of like, it's like Walter is saying, this is what I want Steely Dan to be. Mm. At the moment, I'm, tr- I'm, t- I'm tethered, I'm strapped to this sort of uh, disgusting puppet man Donald Fagan come on <laughs> but I want to I want to be like a bird in flight I want to be like Charlie Parker flying free of uh, Fagan's clutches it's doubly exciting then because not yeah. only have you unearthed an unheard piece of Dan history mm-hmm. but you have uh, you have brought to light Becker's incredible soothsaying talent <laughs> yeah and also <laughs> his lyrical gifts yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you. I'm sure we'll join you in applause. Get your expectations up for a, a song about a bunch of losers. Bit of behind the scenes info for the listeners mm. is that you and I have talked about this episode yeah we had mic. we couldn't help ourselves a few points in yesterday yeah. and you are I don't think it's an exaggeration to say you are dreading this experience uh, yeah yeah so I feel that now I'm going to have to be the the uh, fun bringer the pep talker yeah the hype man the scrum boy yes <laughs> okay <laughs> so let me just say this Ollie what is a less interesting song, Parker's Band or Change of the Guard? Oh, <sighs> Parker's Band. Oh, fuck's sake. T- okay, I, well, in that case, there's no hope. I, t- I was going to say, you know, well, we, do, we, we, make your point. We, we did an episode, a full episode about Change of the Guard. Yeah, but we were young. <laughs> yeah, we were full of vim. Um, I think that, well, to be, to be completely honest, my notes are, are um, sparse. Mm. Well, you don't even have any with you. Yeah, I think they're on my phone. Oh, clever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, uh, okay, so I'll just lay it out on the table, figuratively. Mm. So we are at a table. Uh, yeah. Again, a little bit of inside baseball. We are sitting at a table. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, I basically find this band, uh, this, this band, <laughs> shit. God say it. Freudian say it. slip. Uh, <laughs> I basically find this song to be um, competent in every way. Yeah. But for some reason, it doesn't touch me, mm. and I don't know why. It's almost like skill isn't enough. So I need to, yeah. So it's like it's kind of like I need to, I need to unpick that. I'm not sure I can, mm. and if I can't, then it's just going to be meandering bullshit. And the big question is, do you actually want to, or are you just obliged to? Well, by the format of our your podcast, job, your job is to bring that out of me, to bring out your analytical yes. lust yes exactly yeah. exactly so okay okay should we warm up with some song facts oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's do it there's not many i'll uh oh and also, I've, also i think i know one of them oh really mm. well i don't have many in mm. fact I've, I've basically got one is it that jim hodder does backing vocals 
Okay, so here's the thing. Yes, Jim Hodder does backing <laughs> yeah. vocals. Have we been saying throughout this series that Jim Hodder only does backing vocals on this album? Yeah. Okay. We've said that many times. It's not true. What? what the fuck are we smoking? What? He plays drums on this along with Jeff Bukara. Well, that is interesting. See, I'm trying to be. It's I'm a double, to, it's a double bring drummer a bit of a, scenario. It's yeah, uh, yeah. It's like the fall. It's like the fall. Yeah. It's like I'm trying to think of other double drummers. Um, um, you know, Gary Glitter's <laughs> Glitter Band. Yeah. Um, um, it's like John Bonham's bass drum, but in in kit form. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, the, 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 it is interesting because the drums did jump out at me as being very delightful, delightfully skittery and, uh, you know, nice. I honestly, I've listened to a song many times and I've never noticed that it's got two drums on it. Even when I, uh, even when I listened to it knowing recently that there's two drums yeah. on it, it just didn't strike me. Well, in my professional life, without specifying what that is, in my professional life you learn to look for positives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to this song and thinking like, there, there's something in, in this that makes it worth existing. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a few things. You're a COVID test analyst. Get it. You look, look for positives. Oh, I look for positives, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. very good. Very good. Uh, I was I was going to say that to the music section, but no, mm. it's, it's a perfectly good song fact. And a chance for us to own our mistakes, because it was right there in the liner notes yeah. for, me to, for me to see. So how the fuck, and how embarrassing for me, especially mm. as a Dan head, yeah, yeah. for us to be saying, oh, Jim Hodder on the edge of tears. Mm. Um, that was you who said that. That was me, yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, and yet no, he he got he got a, I mean he was still relegated to drummer number two, but yeah, he did get a chance to shine. Yeah, uh, when he's not sh- shining Walter's boots. Oh, very good. <laughs> I'm just brushing my shoulders so you can't see on the, on record, but I am because yeah. I'm cool. Uh, okay, the real facts. Um, this was played at Becker and Fagan's audition to join. I really thought you were going to say funeral. Which makes no sense because Fagan is currently on tour. <laughs> but I just like the idea of Becker and Fagan in twin caskets being lowered into the crowd. <laughs> and then this is playing. Again, uh, go back to the Patreon episode. You, When you were fantasising about Skunk's Demise, you again fantasising about <laughs> members of Steely Dan and their funeral arrangements. Well, I think um, a, a Jungian uh, analyst would see this as me kind of sublimating my my secret wishes <laughs> yeah, yeah but yeah. sorry not, not that i want them dead but that i want this podcast to die yeah so okay. i don't have to talk about steely dan anymore mm-hmm. and so i'm i'm verbalizing that through these <laughs> slightly uh unpleasant <clears throat> death fantasies <clears throat> he's joking we love every minute of this yeah um so yeah they they auditioned for dennis band and this is one of the songs they played at that audition. Right. Would you like to hear fellow band member of Denny's band, Keith Thomas, on his first impression of Becker and Fagan? Mm. Yes, you would. I'm going to read it anyway. Fagan looked like Jean-Paul Belmondo on acid. (laughs) (laughs) He had shoulder-length hair, he was real skinny, and he had these Michelin tire lips. Right. Michelin tire lips with (laughs) with his head jammed into his shoulders. He had a real Hitler... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he had a real he had a real Hitler vibe <laughs> oh goodness you're, you're, oh, you're, you're Freudian slips this evening yeah. you're, very revealing you'll you'll know you'll see why I said that in a second. He, had a, he had a real hipster yeah. persona <laughs> oh Jesus Walter Becker with his long blonde hair Walter and, <laughs> With his long blonde hair and sunglasses, looked like a Nazi youth camp. Right. Fucking brutal. That is, yeah. But also, you Keith Thomas, what a, what a, a waspish. Gla- I glanced the word Nazi in here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Um, covers. Um, I only found one cover, but it's fucking incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At first, I, I wrote my notes as I was listening to it, and I first described it as interesting in a slightly sneery way. Mm. Uh, and, then, uh, and then, as I listened, I realised that it was actually like. Batshit brilliant. Okay. Um, Can we listen to it? it? So it's by Kenny Vance. Kenny Vance was the lead singer, or a singer in Jane the Americans, and he kind of 
discovered Becker and Fagan, mm. and he sang on a lot of the demos and stuff. But he covered Parker's band. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll roll a cigarette and play you Kenny's Parker's band. Um, unfortunately, the listeners won't be able to join in and probably won't be able to find it because it's really hard to find. Where um, did you find it? If I was a, I, I found it in a record shop, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I found it in, on on Soulseek. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, I uh, miss Soulseek. It's still around, is it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, here's here's Kenny Vance doing Parker's band for your benefit only. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for, for, for the benefit of the listeners who could not no. experience that amazing four minutes. Can you just explain? Can you just describe it? First words that come into your head. Uh, I'm going to say funky mm. would be the key word for me. Mm. In a way that key um, the key words in a way that uh, the Dan version is not. Mm. It it you know to use a word uh, current today mm. it slaps. Oh, <laughs> um, it's also longer than the original. So we have the bridge twice. Yeah, he recognised the value of that bridge. Yep. Re- reused it, mm-hmm. indeed. He doesn't have the fastidious uh, sort of... What is it? It's kind of like they don't want to give you too much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. settle into it. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they yeah, brevity and, mm. yeah, holding back the goods. Um, he definitely doesn't hold back the goods. He doesn't, no. He really flies. He, he treats us. <laughs> <laughs> to a to an extended scat solo mm-hmm. over uh, scat cum sax yeah mm. yeah over sort of bebop soloing yeah um, and then it ends with an airplane taking off <laughs> yeah <laughs> while he's doing some very good scatting yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, it's brilliant I I noted it I described it in my notes as a as a kind of loping doo wop calypso mm-hmm. um, would you agree with that. Uh, that was kind of my initial reaction. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what a calypso is. A calypso is like uh, steel drums and stuff. Isn't yeah, it? but it's got that. It's got that riff that goes through. Yeah. So you know, it just remind, it just put me in mind of, and also the sort of like. Lo- yeah, actually, it does bit. have a kind of Mardi Gras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sun's out, guns out. Anyway, we, the scat man cometh. I won't. Uh, I, I won't dwell on that because uh, obviously our listeners can't. Hear it. I'll just say, hear it any way you can, especially yeah. if uh, if Kenny if Kenny Vance is selling it on his website. I didn't actually check, mm. um, but if he is, uh, yeah. please, please give him money, like I did, maybe. Um, <laughs> well worth your time. Uh, one. So, uh, just the, the, the way I would, uh, you know, characterize the difference is that I've listened to the Steely Dan version five or six times, mm. and I've thought things. You know, I've noticed things. I've maybe neared enjoyment on a couple of times. But now you've felt things. That time I was I was smiling. Mm. Mm. I looked across. You were moving your shoulders mm-hmm. as though to, to dance. Sometimes I yeah. Sometimes yeah. I do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, that has, that does not happen with me and Steely Dan as a rule. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's more Steely Dan tends to be more like nod your head. Yeah. Aggressively. Yeah. 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 Um, while stroking your beard, mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll finish. I'll leave you with uh, an interesting question from an online interview, tangentially related. Uh, Tim Weston asked, "I was wondering if there's any truth to the rumor that you once made K Star sing the bridge to Parker's band fifty times, taunting her with the phrase that was perfect to do one more." Right. Just, Who, who's K Star? Uh, she was an old sort of. I think she was a popular singer in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm guessing maybe they shopped it to her, right? While yeah, they yeah. while they were song songwriting mm-hmm. for hire, you know. So um, so there you go. But you know, it just plays into the old uh, the Becca Fagan law. Yeah. What did they reply? Taskmasters. Uh, the, the reply was basically an interesting. They they replied in a cryptic way to point out that the questioner Tim Weston uh, had an engineering credit on uh, Can't Buy a Thrill, so they they knew him. Right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, there you go. Song facts. We started using him uh, for percussion and also for piano and fives. Piano and fives. 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 Piano and fives. Fives. Okay, so last uh, episode you completely floored me with your acrostics. 
listeners oh. to listeners to the last episode will remember that Ollie wrote some very very good oh thank you uh, acrostics, and so I decided that my vibe for today would be in that poetic form. Oh wow! Um, just in case anyone didn't go to school, who's listening, an acrostic is where you take that, the. That was so rude, but carry on. <laughs> No, I just mean that that uh, everybody knows what an acrostic is. I'm I'm, I'm trying to you, say I'm not, to I'm not patronising people. It tended to be a primary school sort of activity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so what you say, mean. You'd, you'd write autumn or something. Not in case anyone is terribly stupid. That's not what you were saying. No, that's not what I was saying. Was of course you all know what an acrostic is. Yes, okay. Because you're all intelligent. You know, our, our listenership is comprised entirely of brain boxes. Mm. Um, but. Um, so an acrostic is, you know, like, you're at school, they ask you to do one for Halloween, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it'll be like, oh Jesus, I've got to do an acrostic for Halloween now. P- pumpkin, or so- oh yeah, or Halloween, yeah, no sorry, you could just use the word Halloween. Um, hello, and let's linger on when <laughs> <laughs> everyone eats, eats. Uh, nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would have been beautiful if there was something that you eat at Halloween beginning with N. Yeah. That would have yeah, been yeah. so... Oh, that would have been like Parker levels of improvisation. <laughs> Listeners writing. Yeah. So I did one for Parker's band. And th- basically, this is what I think about the song. So once I've said the vibe, I've got nothing else to say. Great. Okay. Okay. Prog and rock keynotes entwine relatively smoothly, but alas, not delightfully. Nice. Yeah. And that is, that's how I feel about it. Great, yeah. Well, well done. That was um, that was a pithy and brief mm. uh, summation. We may as well end it now. <laughs> What's your vibe? My, my, my vibe is uh, stop smiling. It doesn't suit you. Oh, <laughs> <That's> horrible! <laughs> it's like something an abusive parent would say. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. But you know, I, I guess, I guess there's a there's a certain. Um, Enthusiasm and earnestness in this yeah. song, which um, which just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, especially coming from the mouths of Dan. Yeah, I I started maybe doing more of the music, the music, the music. So so it was a more complex the music after a while. The music. Hey. It's gonna be boring if, if if we don't add some some rubby rubby notes. Did you listen to the demo as instructed? No. Okay. Mm, I don't think you instructed me to. I think I sent it to you. Maybe okay. with, maybe cryptically without any instructions. Uh, it's I'll play you a bit of it just 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 for the sake of completeness, but um, it's not worth listening to the whole thing. My point in bringing that demo up is twofold. One, this song is drastically improved from from the demo. Yeah, although I did quite like the uh, I quite liked the simplicity of that. Yeah, it's quite stark. Yeah, I think I think that was a demo not really meant for anyone else's ears. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's pretty basic. But like with Barrytown, they sound like I had a, a fully formed song. With this one, it sounds like they're very much kind of yeah making it up. Um, on the fly, almost. Uh, so, so they've drastically kind of improved the arrangement. The second reason I mentioned it um, is because we were talking, I think again last episode about how like it, they've gone back to old songs yeah. for this album, yeah. and it feels like maybe they were like they'd run out of steam a little bit after all the touring, and maybe I don't know if we said that, um, but you know, it, it felt like a bit of a grab bag of like yeah. impressive new stuff, and then like, actually we've just kind of gone back to the mm-hmm. the the big book of songs, the Dino, for some other ones. So I found a uh, I found an interview from Mojo, mm-hmm. which supports our thoughts. So I just thought you might be interested to hear this. So Mojo asks, why were early songs like Charlie Freak and Parker's Band on your third album rather than your first? Mm-hmm. And Becca said. See, that's touring for you. We did our first record. Boom! They threw us out touring. We managed to get through our second. Threw us out touring. <laughs> like they had no no yeah, volition. Yeah. We managed to get through our second record with mostly new songs, I think. But by the time we had to go to, into the studio for our third record, we had to go through the files and pull out a bunch of old songs to fill out the record. Okay, so it's so true. So the Dan heads will know this, but for my benefit, did Steely Dan do a, a Beatles? 
and stop touring. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. When did they stop touring? Uh, after this album. Okay. So, so this is this is the last of the original band, and also the last of touring Dan. They okay. very, they very much went to like you know, pair it down to the duo and stay in the studio. Okay. They had enough sway to refuse to tour. So is it part of the the law in the same way as with the Beatles? It's like oh, when they started touring, suddenly they were free to. Uh, use the studio as an instrument and explore musical avenues and blah blah blah. I think Becker and Fagan would certainly have said that. Mm. Yeah, they would, wouldn't they? Um, I don't think it's. I don't think. I don't think the leap from Pretzel Logic to Katie Lloyd is like from whatever to Sergeant Pepper, you know. Yeah. Or Rubber Soul or whatever. You know, Katie Lloyd. Yeah. That title. Yeah. Is it in any way just because every time you say it? Because you're the only, you and Ben Jones, are the only people who've ever said the words Katie lied in my presence. <laughs> sure. But whenever either of you says Katie lied, I always think of uh, the word K lied, which my grandma used to say a lot to mean drunk. Oh, really? Yeah, she used to be like, oh, yes, he, he was rather K lied to mean he was, he was pissed. I've never heard that before. Never heard that before. So it's unlikely to be in any way. A pun on that. I don't know if it's an American phrase. Do you think it's an American phrase? I don't know. I mean, she was from Birmingham. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know enough about that word because it's the first time I've ever heard it. However, there is a pun in the Katie Lloyd uh, title. Is there? Yes. Well, don't tell me. Well, mm, it's don't sort, sort of. We'll get there. No, but I want to. I want to figure it out. No, don't do it now, please. No, no, because you won't. Because it okay. It relies on a visual cue to get a the pun cue. Yeah, so save it for next series if it ever happens. I think I know what it is. Okay, are you going to try? <laughs> I'm pointing at you aggressively. Okay. I think I know what it is because there's a locust on the cover. Yes. Or an insect. Yeah. And there's an insect called a Katie did. You are absolutely bang on. Fucking yes. I feel like I've, that has all of the self-hatred I felt during the jazz quiz <laughs> has, has oh, been replaced glad. by a lovely sense of smugness. I'm glad to, uh, yeah. to, re- to yeah. Bring back your smoke levels. Yeah. <laughs> Do we? This is something we've never talked about. Yeah. Why is this album called Pretzel Logic? Pretzel Logic is uh, so yeah, it's a song. This album, but it, so it's the title. It has a title track, but also I think it's a phrase that means like um, nonsense, nonsensical chatter. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was using Pretzel Logic. Right. Okay. Um, I might have got that wrong. Again, I think it's an American thing. American listeners, please write in and tell us how stupid and British we are. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, the players, we've already gone over a little bit. You said, you, you mentioned that Jim Hodder has a backing vocal. He also plays the drums. Mm-hmm. Um, Porcaro also plays drums. He said, Jim Gordon was my idol. Who's Jim Gordon? <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> oh, is he the drummer on, on this? Oh, wait, no. Oh, I fucked up. I fucked up because I was like, I was like, I thought he was, I thought he was rating Jim Hodder, but I, I hadn't paid enough attention to realise he's talking oh, right. about the other drummer. Yeah, Jim Gordon's the other drummer on the album, right? Oh my god, is it? Have I just got my Jims mixed up? Yeah, because isn't it that? Hang on, hang on. So I think I seem to remember from an earlier episode. Oh, this that is so embarrassing. Most well, now you know how I feel about the fucking Studio Fifty Four or whatever it was. <laughs> So, um, that Jim Hodder got replaced by Jim Gordon. Yes, I've got... But Jeff Picaro plays on Night by Night and on this. Can't believe I'm schooling you. <laughs> the thing is... Oh, my God. Do you know what is, I've done? The thing is, it's not Do even you know what I've fun, done? me correcting you. I've, I've, I've fucked up and I've confused my Jims. Mm. So, when I said... So, we were right to say Jim Hodder only has one credit on this album... I've mixed up Hodder and Gordon. So it's Jim, it's Jim fucking Gordon oh. and Jeff Picaro on this song. So yeah, he was, so Picaro was excited to play with Jordan because he's Gordon. He, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Oh, we're prepared. The, 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 um, the facade <laughs> is finally crumbling. We're prepared. Yeah. Um, we all make mistakes, Andrew. Uh, yeah, so Pocaro was like, Jim Gordon's great. Jim Hodder probably was crying in the corner. He didn't play on this song. He yeah. just did backing vocals. That was his only credit on the album. Mm-hmm. How my uh, usually watertight research skills have failed me. Yes, I'm so sorry, everyone. I mean, you don't need to apologise to me. You need to apologise to 
the folks at home. Okay, Becker's on bass and backing vocals, plus Johnson is an alto sax. Alto sax. Have you heard of that guy? No. Played on the Pink Panther theme tune. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Um, give me an opinion. Okay. I'm dying um, for it. You want an opinion? Mm-hmm. I think that uh, the Laura Nero and LaBelle album, Gonna Take a Miracle, is one of the best albums I've listened to all year. Okay, I'll, I'll check it out. Um, you, you know where I was going. So don't don't derail like a cheeky cheeky fella. <laughs> you want an opinion about this track? Yes, please. I think this track is boring, but fine. <laughs> um, I okay. So so I what I appreciate about this song is what I appreciate about Steely Dan in general. Mm-hmm. I've come to appreciate about Steely Dan in general. It's not boring. I know I just said it was boring, mm-hmm. but what I mean is the first time you listen to it, your ear is caught by these different styles and, and these sort of uh, surprising transitions between styles. Mm-hmm. So track opens, it sounds like Zapper or something, mm-hmm. the sort of uh, slightly discordant guitar line. Then we're in some rock and roll bar. Like it doesn't sound like, you know, we've got a song called Parker's Band. It's clearly about Charlie Parker, but it sounds like a rock and roll tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then uh, we go into this bridge, which either sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like um, like a Canterbury scene jazz rock band played by Stevie Wonder or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's so, ooh, I like that. You like that? Yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I've missed my calling. <laughs> I should write blogs. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It has this slightly spacey, druggy feel to it, which matches the lyrics about being smacked into a trance. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of funky jazz chords. Mm-hmm. And it's, all very, it's all very surprising and clever, but I just feel nothing. I feel empty. And it reminded me of something that my friend Rich said. So Rich is one of our most loyal listeners. Oof. Um, just because he's a very sweet friend. And he has said several times to me, oh, the, the worst thing about it is that you're always talking about Stevie Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but he, because he's a dear, sweet friend, he will, he will continue to uh, listen and support and whatever. And, but what he said was, I just don't think that Steely Dan could ever move me. Ooh, really? Yeah. <sighs> Wait till Asia. Wait till Asia. <laughs> <laughs> you're like a, a pusher... In an alley. Mm, honestly. Yeah. Oh, if you can't be moved by the, the, the space fusion of Asia, the mm, song. You're dead inside. <laughs> Absolutely. I, uh, uh, that, okay, so what you mentioned, mm. those two things, you said intro. and Well, you said intro and, and the changes. Yeah. I wrote the intro. I, 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 sorry, I have a list. <laughs> I didn't write the intro. No, I think uh, Jim Gordon wrote the intro. Um, Jim Harder. I... Uh, I have a list of cool bits. <laughs> okay. And on the cool bits was the intro, which yep. to me sounds like, uh, is, is really cool, and sounds like sort of Countdown to Ecstasy style instrument instrumental. It is. It reminded me of Body Sattva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's like very much like and we're going to start with something unusual and guitar-y. And, yeah. Can yeah. I make an observation? Mm. So it's nice how the opening line, uh, that bit, is very like sparse. And sounds like a like yeah like a zapper line or something, mm. and then it suddenly turns into this really like supple, like it sounds like Santana or bing, something. Bing, 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 bing. Well, as the chords change underneath it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's suddenly like it's like Hendrix or Santana mm. or something, mm-hmm. and I think that's very good. Not sure who plays it, to be honest. I think that's a skunk. Do you reckon that's a skunk? I can smell a skunk a mile off. <laughs> Denny's got supple fingers as well. Mm. So. He was described by uh, Linda Hoover as a human metronome. Denny or skunk? Denny. Mm. The human metronome. Imagine having that as your reputation. I mean, yeah, it's, it sounds like a... I'm thinking human centipede, but it sounds like a <laughs> sort of B-grade horror film, doesn't it? Sorry, I'm just... <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know what Danny Diaz looks like, but I was just imagining Danny Diaz in a, as part of a human centipede. Don't do that. Um, the bridge, I think, is really cool. Very cool. Uh, the best bit of the song. Yeah, by far. I think, by far. Yeah. But uh, uh, do you remember, way back, mm. I used to source all of my research from one man. S. Victor Aaron. Indeed, from somethingelsereviews.com. Yeah. Uh, he described it really well. I'm going to paraphrase him here, but mm-hmm. he said it's like I think he said it's something like an aeroplane taking off and sort of flying uncontrollably in the wind, picked up by a breeze, but then like just lands perfectly and unexpectedly moments later. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess. Well, because yeah. it goes off in these weird chordal directions, yeah. and then and then somehow just finds its way back into the song. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, one one last cool bit. Mm-hmm. I like how they bring the horns in and go all boppy at the end. Yeah, I like that's that. nice. Yeah, I like. I really like the. I lo- love simultaneous horn solos in jazz. Oh, you get oh, it a yeah. lot. A lot in Mingus. One of life. And also in Coltrane. Pure joys. Yeah, absolutely great. Two of them just. And you know what? First introduced me to the uh, the dual horn solo. <laughs> Please go on. Was uh, Radiohead song "Life in a Glass House." Oh, really? You know, at the end of that tune... No, it's not the end, it's in the chorus. Uh, and it's like Humphrey Littleton and all these British jazz players, and they're all just, like, wailing at once. It's great, isn't it? It's but so they, good. They yeah. were very Mingus-influenced. Does that not also happen on the National Anthem from the previous yeah, album? Yeah, there's definitely a saxophone on that, or yeah. something. There's some brass, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I just remember then listening to... Like, when I then got into jazz and listening to Mingus and, like, Blue Train by Coltrane... Well, see, this you is, get all this, the, the, yeah. These this like, is very much like my jazz journey mm. as a as a yeah, sort yeah. of as a sort of late teen when Radiohead were coming out with this stuff. Mm. I uh, I read that they were influenced by yeah. Mingus and was like, I've got to hear this Mingus guy. Yeah, yeah. I just never really explored much further. Right, yeah, yeah. But I, I remember, I remember love a bit of our room. Our room. I love a bit of our room. Oh, our, Mingus, our room. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember going to Wolverhampton Library to get out the best of the ink spots. Mm. who were like a 40s doo-wop group mm. because uh, Radiohead said that you, you and Who's Army was inspired by the ink spots. <coughs> and I was actually... I, 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 let's bring this back to your friend and mine, Steely Dan. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I, I think that one of the things I'm grateful for is that a lot of the music I got into as a teenager had that quality of sending you off in lots of directions so like Dylan and the Smiths and uh, Elvis Costello and Radiohead that mm-hmm. they all wore their influences on their sleeves so you would read an interview with them and you'd just be like fucking hell I've got to hear this thing mm-hmm. did Steely Dan do that for you? like did you end up listening to uh, no, Duke Ellington? <laughs> because Steely Dan for me always felt like an end point mm. it was like I'd followed it feels a... to me like an end point yeah. I, I, it's funny Felt like I'd followed a twisty garden path and found something beautiful. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was it, it was like their mess their music and their message is so perfectly formed. Yeah. That's uh, why explore. Mm-hmm. One day these questions will be answered in a splendid exegesis. Yeah. Okay. Look. Bottom line, Parker's band I think is an early sounding tune. It's a fairly mediocre tune. Doesn't really suit where Dan is right now, but they've really jazzed it up in yeah. the arrangement and the production since the demo. So yeah, they've improved it, but as, as soon as it as soon as it gets past the show off bits, I'm like, oh yeah, basically, I'm like this fucking boogie woogie <laughs> Jules Holland number. Yeah, I felt Jules Holland entering the room. Yeah, fuck off, Jules. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, <laughs> You do a better Jules Holland impression than me, so uh, you should be mm. you should be playing with Jules' character. You know. Okay. Um, do you have anything else to say before I have a question? Go to the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Where is the bathroom? <laughs> no, uh, my question is for you, but also to our listeners, mm. which is, um, what does this song sound like? There is a song that goes da 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 da. That is not Parker's band, and it's been driving me up the wall. There is a famous rock song that does that, or very, very, very close. And it's, it's. I haven't been sleeping. I've been rude to my friends and colleagues. You know, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is that melody? 
I just think it's a, the, it's like it's a bit of a stock melody, isn't it? Like yeah, but there's there's something there. I don't know. Okay. I, can't, I can't help you. I can tell you right now. I can't help you. Okay, listeners, write in. Brian O'Brien, will you save us from ourselves? <laughs> We're bringing in um, a friend of the show, Brian Ruston, now, um, who has been regaling us with a tale of microfiction inspired by Dan Lyrics as we go on. Um, so uh, we are on part four of Brian Ruston's story, which is taking us through the Pretzel Logic album. Uh, can you remember what's happened? Um, there's a guy. Yep. He is... He is making a promposal for Katie Lee. Indeed. But he's doing this on a playing field mm-hmm. with his friend Gary. Well, we don't we haven't been introduced to a friend's name yet. Have we not? Okay, good. No. Um but the but Victor, the our prom- protagonist, yes. the promposal, promposal guy, yeah. Yeah. He is He's not actually well, the voice of the narrator is not Victor. It's no, the, the voice guy. of the friend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Victor is doing a promposal on the grass of the playing field using fertiliser and Fruit Loops. Possibly fertiliser, possibly just using a fertiliser spreader. Okay, but he's doing something a bit destructive and weird yeah. in order to propose prom-wise yeah. to Katie Lee. Indeed. Who cheated on him. Who we found out cheated on him. Yeah. And we've also found out that Victor is steaming drunk on Grey Goose. Yes. And has... Uh, so the last instalment was that Victor has invited a marching band to the playing field. I wouldn't get hung up on that point, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, Victor is... Um, Victor called a, a guy from the marching band at, at, at some point. I th- that may have been uh, mostly detail. But anyway, um, this is this is the Parker's Band instalment, obviously, and um, Brian's prompt for this was uh, the, lyric, the lyric, of course... We will spend a dizzy weekend smacked into a trance. Mm-hmm. So uh, spot that in Brian's reading. Two against the natural grass of a high school football field. Part four. Parker's band. Look, Victor, I try, as he jerks left and right, his body starting to really feel the alcohol. We will spend a dizzy weekend smacked into a trance from all the shots of Jaeger you want as long as you don't do this. Victor holds out his hands to balance himself, and then, with an eerie steadiness, grabs the black handle on the Scott brand fertilizer spreader and begins stomping toward the field through the gravel parking lot. I run after him and slap his meaty shoulder and he wheels around on me, and it occurs to me, not for the first time, just how much bigger than me he is. And I'm afraid. I know I haven't always been a great friend. But I need to get through to him. Nice. What is there to say? Thank you, Brian. Thank you, yeah. Thank you, Brian. Uh, I would like to pick out two phrases I especially enjoyed: eerie steadiness. Oh, oh, look, oh yeah, love it. And what? meaty shoulder. <laughs> meaty shoulder. Yeah. Um, yeah, eerie steadiness is is beautiful. Yeah. That's all. also. <laughs> we're we're, we're, we're like dumbstruck a... by appreciation. Yeah. We need to get Brian on the podcast, don't we? We do, yeah. I love his voice, and I love how he is uh, um, voicing these stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He did a much better job than I did. Fixer mm. was in the field. <laughs> <laughs> so, Victor is bigger than our narrator friend. Ooh. So, are things going to get a little... Uh, prescient? We mm. shall find out. We shall find out. Yes, it is important. Somehow we we got into writing these like vaguely sadomasochistic uh, lyrics. Um, not that either of us were really involved in anything like that, but it, it, it just it, it seemed like uh, fresh material, you know. Yeah. Don't try and distract from talking about Parker's band but again. Again. <laughs> uh, the lyrics, Andrew. Mm. Okay, I'm not going to do the usual thing and ask you to explain this song because you clearly haven't been paying attention anyway. Um, what this base, what this song is more or less, is a string of references to Charlie Parker. Yeah. It's like, look, we know Charlie Parker. We're going to celebrate him, make all the jazz fans really happy because they picked up on all the references. Yeah. I pick up on a lot of the references. Listening to this song makes me feel like you feel when me and Ben 
Jones mm. are referencing future dance songs and giggling to ourselves. Yeah, sort of irate and sad. I feel I feel like Donald Fagan is doing that to me with yeah. this song because I know fuck all about Charlie Parker as we've discovered. Mm-hmm. So I thought what we could do is if you have the lyrics ready, I do. Um, we could uh, we could play spot the reference. Okay, and just see how just see how well you do. I count so where one reference ends and, and another begins is a bit of a, a debate. But I counted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine direct references to to Parker and, and his scene, okay. uh, with with a couple of bonus references as well. Um, okay. So no cheating and looking at the genius notes from which um, I from which I stole nearly all of these um, <laughs> uh, references. Uh, so yeah, see, I'm just go through, see how many you spot. Okay, so Savoy Sides is the record label. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, between 1945 and 1949. That was Parker's record label. Yeah, I've got a record called Lester Young, The Savoy Sessions. Uh Uh-huh. Parker's Band, that refers to Charlie Parker's band. Yeah, I didn't actually note that down, but yes, you're quite right, because it's, uh, yeah. Are we counting a smooth style of syncopation as a reference? I've I've written that down. Yeah, so he had a smooth style of syncopation. Referencing pop. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Kansas City born and growing. He's from Kansas City. Indeed, yeah. Um, Armadillo is a Charlie Parker song. Is it really? I think so. Um, you see, because this one threw me a little bit. Uh, so let me just search Armadillo, Charlie Parker. I think it's a jazz tune. I'm not sure it is. Ah. I'll go to Genius for this one. Mm-hmm. And I, I instantly scoffed at this. I was like, Genius, really? I think they might have it right. But basically, like they said... There was a time, apparently, that Charlie Parker rode a Palomino horse uh, down 52nd Street in Manhattan to impress his girlfriend. All right. So what they're saying is what they've probably done is change the word Palomino to Armadillo. So it rhymes with Camarillo. So it might rhymes with Camarillo. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, like a, it's like an in-joke within an in-joke. A bit of lazy lyric writing mm. as well. But uh, it's, it's also the name of several types of military vehicle, but... If that story with the horse is true, then I think they've nailed it, basically. But right. yes, Armadillo is, is a reference. You're quite okay. correct. Okay. Groovin' High is a Dizzy Gillespie song. Yeah. Are you uh, seriously didn't look this up? No, I didn't look it up. I'm, I'm, count me impressed. I've got a, a CD of Dizzy Gillespie, which is called Groovin' High. Nice. Relaxing at Camarillo is a Charlie Parker song. Yes. Or performed by Charlie Parker. It is, it is his song. And do you know what it's inspired by? I think he was having a really chilled day at Camarillo. So Camarillo was a, a mental hospital in California. Oh, okay. He was uh, he was arrested for arson mm-hmm. and because uh, his licks set the place on fire. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, and sent to Camarillo, and then he wrote a song about relaxing at Camarillo, the mental hospital. Okay. So yeah, you've you've got a hundred percent so far. Great. Bird in Flight is a Charlie Parker album. Is it? A, yes, it is. It's a. It's a. Is it? <laughs> I don't know, it's either a song or an album. Well, um, if it's not an album, it's certainly a reference to uh, Charlie Parker's nickname. Yeah. But um, see also, if you can't fly, you better move him with the rhythm section later. Yeah. Another another little bird, wink. <laughs> uh, we will spend a dizzy weekend, Dizzy Gillespie. You're smashing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Who is Dizzy Gillespie to Parker? He was his triplicator. Well, they, they did an album together, Bird and Diz. Yeah, they and were, Dizzy played on some like Charlie Parker records, I think. Contemporaries, collaborators. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, preparing for this, I listened to, what's it called? Um, it's a Charlie Parker live album. Anyway, it's got Dizzy Gillespie on it. Mm. And he is such a slut. It's just like, because Charlie Parker is being very extroverted in the way he's mm-hmm. playing, but then Dizzy Gillespie comes and is just like, yeah, it's like everything he plays is so sort of like <laughs> Pe- so peacocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It really, made, it really, really made me laugh. Great. Um, I think a little bit of what made the preacher dance is a reference, but I don't know what it's a reference to. You are correct. That's a bonus reference. We'll save this. I spotted one more. Okay. I say I spotted um, again. I nicked all everything <laughs> from genius. Uh, you might not even see this as a reference. So allow me to. Is it 52nd Street yeah, to the Junction? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I imagine there is a jazz club on 52nd Street. Uh, apparently it's the centre of the bebop scene in New York. Right, okay. There's also a Charlie Parker album called Birds on 52nd Street. Right, right. So, there you go. 
There you go. So then the bonus reference is you correctly identified one, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't expect you to get the reference. Nor Can you I. give me a clue? Uh, it's a literary reference. So think about the sort of literature that we've learned that Becker and Fagan enjoy. Basically, they enjoy sci-fi. It's a sci-fi reference. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it a reference to? So it's a reference to uh, a book called The Unpleasant Profession of Jonathan Hogue. Again, this was a genius annotation. I looked at it and I was like, really? But mm. so there's a, <laughs> oh, really? there's a drink in that book, apparently. So it's this genius called What Makes a Preacher Dance. Mm-hmm. So I can eat some kind of intoxicating beverage. I went as far to try and prove the genius annotator wrong as like searching an ebook right, right. Of, of the book. You and love proving people wrong. I, I, it's my best time in life. <laughs> Very much enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it absolutely fucking does. The, the words, what made the preacher dance in that order, appear in a novel as a, as a, a doctor in the novel, a mysterious doctor, right. is is giving him a, a tincture or something. Mm-hmm. He certainly calls it what made what made the preacher dance. I see. So yeah. in here, Parker is like the medicine man dispensing this intoxicating drug. If you want to give them that much credit. I think they just were like, let's sneak in a sci-fi reference as well. Right, okay. Because yeah. they're cool college dudes with cool <laughs> interests. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than that, what is there to say? String of references, well done. Beckham Fagan, you know your Bebop. I'm so, well, I'm what so I want to say is that, yeah, so yeah, they are trying to impress us in a slightly cliquey way mm-hmm. with their Bebop chops. But they do it in a very cringy way. <laughs> not the not the in jokiness, sure. Which I do find because it didn't annoy me so much because, as I've just demonstrated, I do know a bit about Charlie Parker. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so, I was genuinely impressed by the way. With thank you, thank you. So I I was not annoyed by that. What annoys me is lines like "Bring your horn along, and you can add to the pure confection." And if you can't fly, you'll have to move in with the rhythm, rhythm section. Like, it just sounds so... It, it sounds like a joke song. It sounds like a novelty record. Well, I mean, it, it, it pretty much is. I know, but why? Why didn't they just write a song called Parker's Band and then it's just, like, more impressionistic? It's just the way it's like... Oh, my God, are you... Are you are you chastising <laughs> with Dan for not being impressionistic enough? Are you fucking serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a little outrageous. Uh, just in case our listeners aren't familiar with everything Andrew's ever said, <laughs> he gets really angry when the Dana too impressionistic. So yeah, you know, I just find it embarrassing. Just the, just this kind of like, come on, man, take a piece of Mister Bucket. Well, this band. is exactly <laughs> what I was getting at in the vibe. In that you know, stop smiling; it doesn't suit you. Yeah, like this kind of earnest celebration can go hang. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work out of your mouth, fakes. Yeah. So, what are the good lines? What are the good lines? I would say that the good lines are, <clears throat> we will spend a dizzy weekend smacked into a trance. Again, that that is the best bit musically and lyrically, isn't it? Yeah. The, the That whole section is just like magic. And to be fair, that section wouldn't work musically or lyrically if it wasn't attached to the rest of the song. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, if you're just going to play a bridge on a loop, it would be terrible. But like, it, it, works, in, in, it works as a way of spicing up the song. Yeah. Which, uh, and, you know... And perhaps it wouldn't be so impressive in a in a more impressive song. Yeah. So we can say that. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, the lyric. Yes, like you're saying. Sorry. <laughs> the lyric, we will spend a dizzy weekend smacked into a trance, is just a fucking amazing lyric. It just a great. fucking amazing collection of words. It's so, a great collection of words, but also it, it suggests, to, to me, it, it, it like paints the world, as in the world of jazz, in a more alluring way. As in, up until that point, it sounds like the lamest scene mm-hmm. imaginable. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas like, we will come on, it. cool cat, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. with the park Exactly. Yeah, you'll be grooving high. Yeah. You know, like oh, I don't want to hang out with these <laughs> burks. You know. Whereas we will spend a dizzy weekend back into a trance. It, you know, it implies kind of loose living and decadence and excess. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is over this slightly vertiginous. I mean, obviously, we're going to have to mention this. Mm. We're going to have to mention Deacon Blues at this point. Are we? Yeah, and talk about 
and die behind the wheel. You always get the melody slightly wrong, but I'm glad you. <laughs> I'm glad you remember. It. What's the melody? Die behind the wheel and die behind the wheel. Yeah, you always go down at hind. Yeah. Die behind. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The wheel. Yeah, yeah, but whoever you saw performing it in Neely Dan has obviously given it a little bit more of the Chad Kroger. Yeah, that's what I imagine. <laughs> um, um, but uh, where the fuck was I? What were we talking you, about? You were going to bring in Deacon okay, Blues. Deacon Blues. Mm. Okay, so. With Deacon Blues, uh, Beckham and Fagan are writing a character mm. who is um, desperately head over heels in love with A, the music of jazz and the idea of being a, a jazzman, mm-hmm. um, but also the decadent side of jazz and the kind of empty sex and the um, and the endless drug taking for, for, to know, you know. Did Parker have a very unfulfilling sex life? Well... <laughs> No, but what I'm saying is like you, you know, the seedy side of jazz. Yeah. They express that. There's many vinyl in those. Ma- <laughs> I'm, I'm so annoyed that that made me laugh. Um, yeah. The, the, uh, the, the, you know, he's re- but anyway, they they express it very well through this character. This mm-hmm. idea of like of a kind of loser who mm-hmm. who is just obsessed with with jazz, all of that. Yeah, melange of jazz and, and all its problems and everything else. Right here, they're just being that. With Deacon Blues, they they step aside and create this loser character who 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 lives through it and express it beautifully. Yeah. With Parker's band, they are just being those goons mm. and being far too like at least like at least Deacon Blues man said it with a tear in his eye as he as he drove off the speedway. <laughs> yeah, you know, fell off the Palomino. Yeah. Yeah, well, good. Um, the, <laughs> Thanks. You know, here, here, it's here. It's just. I guess it's just a bit embarrassing, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it is quite cringy. Slam or scam. Do you want to wrap up? Do you want to tell us what you think, slamo or scamo? Or yeah, I think this is a. It's a royal scam. I think this is going to be controversial. Do you think? I think this. Well, just well, I'm basing this off the number of Spotify plays it has. Mm-hmm. I don't think this song does anything wrong. No, it's just abs- well, I do. I think the lyrics do something wrong. I think the lyrics are corny. Uh, yeah, they but are. They achieve what they set out to do. Yeah, they're corny, but you know, they're obviously kind of meant to be corny. It's, yeah, it's kind of a knees up celebration of their heroes, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So, so my problem in grading this mm. is that I consider it to be like basically good yeah you know like the lyrics are basically good in yeah like you say they do what they set out to do what our new favorite phrase um (laughs) yeah but uh but also like the music does interesting things the song is basically catchy and yeah you know and and it's not a bad song it's got an up-tempo vibe i spent a lot of time on the arrangement uh some parts of it musically i really like yeah uh as a pure confection Mm. It just Very doesn't. Good. It just doesn't hit the right taste buds. Can I amend my rating? Mm-hmm. It's a soft scam. It's a soft scam because I feel like a royal scam is a failure. Yeah, well, this is this is what I'm struggling with. Mm. Uh, it's not a soft slam. A soft slam would be like it's inching towards greatness. Now, what I have to keep in mind is my promise that uh, for every album, I would I will rate something an outright scam. Mm. So I've said that. So knowing what's ahead of us, what did you? What I did basically you, what did you like give night by night. I think I, I think I ended up with I, I, it was either a soft slam or a soft scam. I can't remember. I think we flipped a coin. Okay, um, but uh, will I give Parker's bands uh, again? Uh, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna save my scam for a very particular song. Mm. Can you guess what it is? No, because I haven't heard any of them. Yeah, but just from the titles alone. So we got through with Buzz, Pretzel Logic, mm. with a gun. Charlie Freak or Monkey in Your Soul. By the way that you said those titles, it's either going to be With a Gun or Monkey in Your Soul. Yeah, it's one of those two. It's one of those, yeah. So I agree with what you said. It's not a failure. It's a soft scam. Okay. It's a it's a it's a success that doesn't jive with me. Mm-hmm. So this this season's tedious uh, sort of lapse into agreement continues. <laughs> Maybe we'll disagree. The thing is, I don't have a strong opinion about through with Buzz either. Maybe you will. Maybe mm. you'll maybe you'll kick me into. 
interest. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like I keep every time you say anything, I'm trying to bring the Palomino back into it. So when you said that, I was like, yes, like Charlie Parker's spurs in the side of the Palomino. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for joining us on a very windy and off-topic episode. Uh, as ever, we appreciate any uh, five-star reviews. Remember, if we get 50 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, Ollie will get a Steely Dan tattoo of my choice, which is really keeping me going at the moment. I knew I, knew I had to drop something in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, if you would like to hear bonus episodes on a variety of topics Dan rarities Dan adjacent acts well this is music this needs addressing actually because oh. I've been saying Dan rarities and in actuality we've we've only done two songs directly by Steely Dan in the Patreon however we do cover a lot of Dan a lot of interesting Dan adjacent stuff yeah so recently we've done uh, the latest single from called Baxter's solo album <laughs> we did yeah, um, we do. Uh, we're planning uh, a deep dive into Linda Hoover's recently unearthed album "I Mean yeah. to Shine," yeah, which will be our second Patreon episode titled "I Mean to Shine" because <laughs> yeah. we've already covered a Barbara Streisand song. Um, and occasionally we do Andrew's picks. So if you ever want to hear the tables turned mm. and Andrew foisting a song upon my brain, then you can you know tune in for those. But yeah, if you can't afford the Patreon or just don't like us enough to contribute we'd appreciate a review or a star rating or a like or a share or anything yeah just just any form of validation however slender yes will be lapped up oh you don't you have like a like a palomino (laughs) a bag of oats (laughs) well done you got it back yeah you got the palomino back thank you everyone bye bye